love this podcast, support us by leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Hit the link in the episode description to support us now. Thanks for listening and enjoy. Bongolio. That's it. That's that's the best I can do. You said bung. <laughs> that that is I think that's the best we could possibly do. I think so. This this intro. So let's just get right into it, right? Yeah, that's fair. I'm Nicole. And I'm Rolando. And this is Remakes, Reboots, and Revivals. An original podcast <laughs> about originality. I do a better butthead than I probably should. Um, like, nobody wants to be like, I do a great butthead impersonation, but mm-hmm. whatever. Oh my gosh, it's disgusting where we are. The summer has just is back with a vengeance. Yeah, it took its time, but I don't know. I haven't, I haven't been as, I haven't hated it as much as like I usually do. I think it's because uh. I've, been, I've been doing a lot more running and working out and stuff. So like, it's just like if I'm not running, the heat is okay. This is, I mean, once I started exercising, I started like loving the summer, whereas before I would dread it. So I, I, I could see that being a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's been it's been hot as hell. It's we're having a heat wave, a tropical heat wave. And when it comes to movies, do you really feel like this has been a strong summer so far for movies or not? Because I kind of feel like I was anticipating movies being back. And I don't know if I feel like they are. I mean, I don't know. I've gone to the movies a lot more this summer. For podcast. the podcast? or No, for outside of the own? podcast. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Really? I mean, I, I guess three times this summer for outside of the podcast. Does that count? Now, in your prime movie going uh, era. Oh, yeah. I mean, but that's also, but I think, I don't know. Like, I also, I don't know. Movies were cheaper, right? Like, not movies that they were, were cheaper, cheaper, but like. We had more I wasn't, free time. I had more free time. I think that's more so the bigger, biggest contributing factor, right? Like, I don't. If, it's not enough for me to want to go see a blockbuster. It has to be a blockbuster that I really want to go see and like take time out of my weekend that I could be doing other things, right? Whether that is literal chores, right? Unfortunately, or uh, meeting up with friends and catching up and stuff, right? Like sometimes I think that's the thing. Like, I think for me, as I've gotten older, going to the movies and then hanging out, grabbing food afterwards and talking about the movies was fun. But like now with all the limited time that we have together, it's like going to the movies and just sitting in a dark room and enjoying a film and then talking about the movie, that's not necessarily quality time that I'm spending with my friends, right? Yes, I'd rather. No, I would agree with yeah, that. I'd rather grab food or drinks with them and then catch up than talk about a movie afterwards, you know? Yeah, or like be limited, like only seeing them for like a little bit in the parking lot. You know, right, exactly. Not even hanging out. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's the thing. I'm actually a person who likes to go to the movies by myself for that very reason, because it's like, well, you know, it's not hangout time; it's watch movie time. Um, but. You know, aside from like Marvel and stuff, uh, Elvis, Lightyear, which was not a success. Uh, if you haven't so seen, is Minions, it not a success compared to the others, or is it? Well, it projected. They projected that it would take in like let's say ninety million dollars its opening weekend. I'm I'm just giving an estimate, and it only took in like forty million. I know, I know, but again, projections are based off of how it's performed as a franchise in the past, not necessarily yeah. indicative of the quality of the film right and i've yet to see it 
Well, this is true. But speaking like not even of the quality, it's very devastating that a Toy Story franchise opened like under expectations. It underwhelmed. I, I hate to say this, but I bet you a little bit has to do with the fact that Tim Allen, a very outspoken MAGA guy, right? Or at least conservative, <laughs> got kicked out of the franchise. Not even kicked out, right? They just are doing a franchise that's not surrounded by him i'm sure that butt mm. hurt a lot of republicans and i think there was like a same sex kiss or something that also like there was a lot of concern there was and rights. that didn't make any sense but i think people were also more upset like that just tim allen wasn't doing buzz lightyear because he is buzz lightyear is he i mean he's a i don't know i mean he kind of is i think you know there are some loyal fans out there i've yet, like, yeah, i i mean i've yet to see lightyear but <laughs> i don't know like uh but it's not it hasn't to do with tim allen i would you know, I would kill to see Chris Evans in a live action portrayal of Buzz Lightyear, yeah. but he's just lending his voice. But I mean, anything to see Chris Evans on screen. This is true. Would you? Will you be watching The Gray Man on Netflix? <sighs> yeah, that one has Chris Evans and the guy from uh, Bridgerton. Uh, Ryan Gosling's in Bridgerton. No, Ryan Gosling is in it. Yeah, <laughs> he's oh. like the other big star in it. Oh, the other big star to me is uh, Jean Rene. Pierce, I think is his name. He's the uh, the main character from the first season of uh, of uh, Bridgerton. It's so fucking hot, oh, this guy. Is he? Okay. Oh, my God. He's incredibly sexy. Wow. We're really getting off track here. The point is... I, I think we don't want to talk about what we, <laughs> we have to talk about. We're kind of... We're, we're taking the long road there. Movies are just not... I guess at least, like... I felt like in 2019, before the pandemic, and when we first started this podcast, we just were always at the movie theaters. We just had so much content. And it just feels, it's like partially great that there's not as much content because one, there's more original stuff and and people aren't as interested in remakes and reboots and revivals as they used to be. But then it's also like when they're not that great, it's not as, it's not that great in general. It's not very exciting. And then sometimes you get things and you're like, huh, did anybody really ask for this? And did Mm -hmm. anyone even want it? And that's kind of how I feel about today's episode. Oh, Um, fair. Okay. Yeah. It's been out for a while. And it's been kind of like gotten a muted response. I haven't heard too many people talk about it. We're a little delayed on it, but that's also because, you know, we really don't have too much else to talk about. I don't think Thor Love and Dunder counts, guys. I'm very sorry. It doesn't. No, it, it definitely doesn't. I don't. Yeah. It's it just, even though Taika did reboot the Thor franchise, it doesn't qualify for us. We make he re- But he rebooted it one film ago. Yeah. He rebooted it before <laughs> we did this podcast. So it was a little too little too late. So instead, we're doing the Paramount Plus new Beavis and Butthead movie. And we're taking a time machine back to the 1990s when Beavis and Butthead was relevant and asking why we're getting another Beavis and Butthead movie when they're not relevant anymore. And I wonder, you know, how it really hits. So I'm I'm really interested in hearing your thoughts. And also, guys, if you have any thoughts, you got to share them with us because we love it when you do that. Mm -hmm. All right. So 90s, right? Mike Judge, who also has been the creator of another television show called King of the Hill, which I think is great. Um, yes, he, I enjoy. King yeah, of I Hill. think King of the Hill is great. I'm a fan of like those type of um, animated comedies. I think they're great. Um, he also did Silicon Valley, which I actually kind of just found out recently. Oh, you never seen? Uh, no, I have not I, seen it. I saw the first two the first two seasons and I think it's a solid show. I gave up after uh season after season two. I kind of fell off on it for mm. a couple of reasons. One okay. of the main cast members 
and his uh, alleged rape allegations kind of left oh, a no bad good. taste in my mouth. Yeah. And they and the show quickly did away with him. But after that, I was just like, kind of like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I could. Yeah. It was just like, I don't know. Okay. In my opinion. I get that. Yeah, I get that. Uh, well, I never saw it. Um, but it's just, it's so not Mike Judge to me. Because, like, I think of Beavis and Butthead. I think of King of the Hill. I think of Office Space and Idiocracy. Idiocracy for sure. I didn't even yeah. know Office Space was Mike Judge. Yeah, Office huh. Space. That was um he had made short films before he got a contract to make Beavis and Butthead. And one of them um was what was it called? Frog Baseball. Okay. And that was pretty much like the template for Beavis and Butthead and MTV was like, oh wow, we're gonna they played it on MTV and people loved it, so they commissioned it for a TV series. And then he had made Office Space as a short film. So those are like the two things that solidified him to become like a pretty strong presence in 1990s pop culture and also the big thing is that even though he didn't create it daria technically comes from beavis and butthead so yeah daria's like a spinoff right yeah it's a spinoff so uh pretty ubiquitous well i mean pretty important in terms of 90s and beavis and butthead if you've never seen it you know what this is if you're an american and you watched mtv growing up in the 90s you know what beavis and butthead is i think if you're our generation i don't think generation after us and younger probably have any idea who they are. Yeah, I do wonder actually if Gen Z knows what Beavis and Butthead is. Like, and I'm pre- yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure they don't know, and it's so weird to me because it's like just the way that it sounds. It's just such like a '90s sounding thing. I don't Beavis know. Beavis and Butthead. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Butthead is already like such a '90s. It feels so '90s, late '80s. Yes, yes. Like Run DMC for some reason. I'm like that is the most '90s name of a band ever you know i can't imagine a band coming out now called run dmc i just uh, are they from so they're 90s. from the 80s though oh fuck <laughs> <laughs> never mind maybe they were ahead of their time then um so did maybe, you watch yeah. beavis and butthead when it debuted in the year 1993 and lasted all the way up to the year 1997 i did not actually i didn't really watch beavis and butthead until i was like well into high school i think they would give reruns not on MTV, but it must have been on one of those MTV other channels, like MTV2 or MTV3. Mm-hmm. Um, I was more of a Daria person, to be quite honest. Me too. I yeah. watched Daria. Yeah, Daria was, was like alive. one of those like yeah. hidden gems on MTV. Mm-hmm. And uh, I watched the shit out of that. But less so Beavis and Butthead. I never could get behind it. And then like, I think it was in high school when I started smoking weed that maybe I think I started watching it with friends and stuff. And it was just like, eh. you know, background noise, <laughs> yeah. in my opinion. Kind of. I see that. Yeah. I like you. I watched Daria, but I knew of Beavis and Butthead because I watched the MTV Movie Awards and they would like appear in skits. That's true. They would have. Yes, they would. Yeah. And like people would be like, we like people loved them. And I was like, OK, this is something that people tend to really, you know, uh, react positively to. But I never, ever engaged with it until I went to film school in New York Oh. Where we were shown in screenwriting class, Beavis and Butthead Do America, the film that they did in 1996. In I- screenwriting class? Yes. Oh, interesting. Why? Because my professor was convinced that it was a masterpiece. Oh, he was like, this I- movie's great. And he loved the script and he wanted us to study it. Interesting. I didn't, I never seen, I've never seen Beavis and Butthead Do America. So, well, I mean, you- you've, you've seen it very recently, did you not? Not podcast. do America, not the movie. I saw <laughs> I I rewatched the TV show and then I watched Beavis by Head do the universe. 
Oh, so you did the opposite of me. I just watched the two films. I didn't oh watch the TV no! Show. You know what? That probably would have been a lot, uh, a little less mind numbing than, <laughs> than my approach, right? Because I figured the TV show was more important. It ran a lot longer than the film. Because I don't know, was the film well received? I mean, according to your teacher, like yeah. According to my teacher, it was yes. Um, well, so the the series ran for like five seasons, I think it was. You know? And then it got like a reboot. And it and it got a movie in the nineteen in the nineties. You know, so and it got uh, rebooted and it or got, revived. Yes, it got revived. And I think they're reviving it again on Paramount Plus. That would make sense. That would make sense why this movie exists. Mm. Right. Like, yeah, like setting people up for the return of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this movie has a pretty good reception. I'm not going to say that everyone thinks it's like a cult movie or it's a masterpiece, a hidden masterpiece, but people which, liked it. Which one? Do America or? Do America. The first okay. film. Yeah. Um, which I guess I'll tell you about since you didn't watch it. Yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't think it was required homework. Uh, so pretty much uh, Mike Judge was commissioned to make a film. Uh, by MTV and this movie also did very well in the box office uh, the budget was only like 12 million and they made 63 million dollars for it so okay. that's pretty impressive yeah, for just an is. MTV movie um, an MTV movie you shut your mouth they gave us <laughs> the classic crossroads it was distributed by Paramount so it's a Paramount movie I guess but yeah oh, Paramount I mean, owns MTV uh, I've never seen Crossroads oh count your blessings <laughs> <laughs> If our audience doesn't know what Crossroads is, it's a, the sole Britney Spears movie. Yes. As far as I'm concerned. The she deserved part. an Oscar nomination. But she, I'm sure she did, yes. Robbed. Sometimes I run. Okay. That was not, it was, I am I'm not a girl, not yet a woman. Oh, that is that the song? That was her big song for that movie. Okay, so the premise pretty much is that Beavis and Butthead, their beloved television has gone missing. So they pretty much set out to find it. And that just kicks off this whole huge misunderstanding of a situation of a film. Um, they meet a hitman named Muddy mm-hmm. Grimes, who hire who pretty much he hires them to quote unquote do his wife in in Las Vegas. Now, of course, the hitman Muddy Grimes means kill her, but Beavis and Butthead are convinced that this is their chance to score because they are virgins. Right. That's like the running gag on the show. They're always yeah. looking for. They're always looking to score. to score. Yeah. Right. As they call it, to score. Mm-hmm. Which already <laughs> sounds so fucking 90s, but okay. <laughs> so 90s. So they go all the way to Las Vegas because, oh, they're going to score. And nah, uh, nah, like that. Yeah. <laughs> and all these just, and then they get like, the government thinks that they're like secret agents and all this stuff. There's just constant amounts of uh, people mistaking them for either mass criminals or like geniuses or something where these guys are just out thinking that they're going to score like literally like miscommunication after misunderstanding. And that's pretty much the whole fucking movie. Yeah. It's very threes company, right? Like it's just Mm -hmm. one misunderstanding, usually a sexual innuendo that they misunderstand that leads to shenanigans. That's about the setup for, you know, the new film. So Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, they do not change that much from it. And it's actually, so when I was watching this movie, I'm like, oh my God, I know these voices. They got fucking stars of the day to be in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, The guy who hires them, Muddy Grimes, is played by Bruce Willis. Wow. And Dallas, who they're out to like, you know, score to do, played by Demi Moore. Whoa. Yeah, 
And then there's like an agent, Agent Fleming, who's after them the whole time, and he keeps put, making everyone uh, do cavity searches on everyone he comes in contact with. That's like the running joke is that he just always commissions cavity searches. Wait, Demi Moore and Bruce Willis were married at one point, right? Yes. Yes. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Yep. That's why it was uh, good casting, I guess. I um, that agent was played by Robert Stack from Unsolved Mysteries. Oh, your favorite. Yes, with his wonderful voice. And then Cloris Leachman also plays this old woman that they keep running into on a plane and a bus and stuff. Is so she it's still like, alive? No, Cloris Leachman has passed. Oh, yes. R.I.P. Yes, R.I.P. But that's pretty much the whole fucking movie. Um, yeah. <laughs> I can't believe I watched it in screenwriting class. I went back and rewatched it for this podcast and I was like, this is by no means a great script that anyone should like. I mean, it's funny, but this is not like, let's deconstruct this and, you know, break it down in a class kind of a movie. It is not that. I don't know. I mean, your teacher must be onto something. My teacher was, <laughs> he, he just wanted an excuse to watch Beavis and Butthead, I think. <laughs> Yeah. You know what? If I were a teacher, I would be looking for an excuse to make them watch Real Housewives of New Jersey. So this is true. You know what? Let me. All right. I know why he did it, because it was clever. Right. The okay. constant mis, um misunderstandings and like the misidentifications and just like everything being off by like, oh, they're about to catch Beavis and Butthead. And then something happens and then Beavis and Butthead just come right around the corner. Like everything flowed very well. And that is within itself clever writing, you know, because you really do have to kind of like sit there and be like, how are we going to work this? Mm -hmm. And that is a nice exercise to try when you're starting to write a script or just like try and do something, um, make everything come full circle and whatnot. Okay. Uh, And also, Beavis and Butthead, the thing, the reason why I think they were successful for so long was because it was these two young dumbasses who just were obsessed with pop culture, but they were making commentaries on America at that time mm-hmm. and the 90s and through these two young characters. And it's always great to embrace something that is kind of wrong with the culture in order to say the commentary of like, this is what's wrong with the culture, right? So Beavis and Butthead would always embrace these problematic issues and then show you how funny it was when they did. Or like how, uh, not, well, they would show you the humor and the issues within it. Does that make sense, right? Okay, yeah, yeah. So like, uh, okay, this is going to be even more prominent in the next film, but like they would embrace, by embracing misogyny (laughs) and by making Beavis and Butthead two kids who just look at women like that they want to score, they actually show you the problem with like, you know, rampant sex in our culture and what it does Mm. to young boys. That's an example, right? Okay. And I think that's what, why Beavis and Butthead actually work because even though you're laughing and you're laughing with them and most of the time it's that sex and fart jokes, you also are understanding what they're trying to say by it and understanding what like the underlying message is, which is actually kind of impressive where it's, you're like, wow, I feel like a child laughing at these stupid jokes, but I also feel smart because I know what they're saying. <laughs> it's mm. like this nice balancing act. You think that's why people, I don't know. Gravity George's show is just like, I feel smart because I'm laughing, but I know why I'm laughing. Maybe. And I also think people like to get high and watch it, and it's great when they're high. Is it? Because I can tell you from very recent experience, I I was high at a bachelor party when I was in Seattle, and we were flipping through Pluto, and I think we ended up watching Beavis and Brian, and I was just like, oh, I can't. And I I think I left. (laughs) I left the room. I think I saw like two episodes and stuff, right? And uh, it was one of the ones where like, uh, they were, I think, working at a coffee shop, right? 
and okay. uh this guy so when uh i think butthead or beavis consume too much uh uh coffee right they become cornholio he becomes cornholio mm. mm-hmm. yes right? yes so and then he becomes like uh like a poet like a like a beatnik poet at this coffee <laughs> shop that gets like a fan base and stuff so what is that telling me about society nicole you tell me so that's interesting because this always happens with Beavis where if he gets too like caffeined up, he yeah, he turns into this weird character and he talks about his bunghole uh-huh. and it's clearly like he's it's like a mental disorder and it's all this stuff. And every time the misunderstanding is that people look at him and think of him as a genius, right? Yes. That he's either or he's inciting, you know, a prison riot or, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, he's inspiring all these people to either, you know, like quit their jobs or fall back in love or whatever. It's like he's inadvertently doing something. And so it's an interesting commentary if you try and take that apart, because it could be one or two things. Right. It's like, don't. I think it's more this other thing. So I'm not even going to try and say uh, the other one of two things. I think it's this one thing. And maybe you'll disagree with me when I say this. But I think that the commentary is that people are easily swayed, right? By things that they don't understand. And that sometimes if something seems too complex or if something just seems like too avant-garde or you can't understand it, then it must be cool. Or if it's too different or if it's too whatever, it's like, yeah, that is like, he's right. I don't understand it secretly. It's kind of like how Marshall McLuhan always says the best way to get someone to understand each other is to put is to pose it as a joke because mm-hmm. no one wants to be not in on the joke. Everyone wants to be in on the joke. So what mm-hmm. do you think they're trying to say by that? Like by always constantly doing that other than it's fun to see like people react. So against the grain and what you would think people would react to someone like Beavis when he turns into Cornholio. No, I mean that, I mean that, I think that makes sense. I think your, your read on that makes sense. You see, you're giving your show a lot more credit than I did. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. That's why I really like Mike Judge, though, is because I think, like, on the surface, especially, like, something like King of the Hill, which also, fun fact, in the Beavis and Butthead to America, the prototype for that character is in the movie. He keeps running into, like, this, uh, you know, this character who pretty much is Frank Hill. Is that his name, Frank Hill? Uh, Frank Hill. I it's been a while that since i right. watched that sounds King right. of the Hill. Yeah. It sounds right. Okay. Hank. It's Hank. Hank Hill. Thank you, Hank. Frank Hank. Okay. He keeps running into essentially who is Hank. And he's like, oh, what are you guys doing here? Oh. That's so and- funny that Beavis and Head Do America predates King of the Hill because I feel like King of the Hill. It came out I the watched- very next year. Oh, wow. I feel like I watched that one like way before Beavis and Head Do America came out. Mm. I, maybe you just got your years mixed up because they came out right after each other. I think he created the character and Beavis and Butthead did the voice for him and enjoyed doing him so much. <laughs> mm-hmm. like, I'm going to now make this new television. And then that show went on for 13 years. Interesting. Um, Yeah. Crazy. That's how long? No. King of the Hill didn't run 13 years, did it? Yeah. It went from 1997 to 2010. That's wild. Okay. Yeah, seriously, it is. Yeah. But it, it's a great show, actually. I do like King of the Hill. I yeah. spread vicious rumors about the show that it was written by black people. <laughs> is that I a vicious know. rumor? Um, That it was, yeah, to the white people who didn't know better because they thought, it's just like, wait, so it's black people making fun of white people? I was like, yeah. Can you believe that? <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. This is obviously when I was like younger in high school and stuff, and I had more impressionable friends. Oh, back in the day when it was so easy. Back in the day when it was, yeah, when Google and and, and Wikipedia weren't like so accessible. 
Yeah. Oh, true. Yeah. We could get away with so much more, couldn't we? Yeah, back then, sure. <laughs> As Beavis and Butthead usually did because yes. there was no internet and stuff. This is true. The only other thing I want to say, and like, I don't know if you want to jump in on like the, your impression of how you got, of got of Beavis and Butthead while watching the originals, but like the, because we talked a little bit about Beavis, there's Butthead, who's kind of like more so the leader of the two, or he's the quote alpha male. Uh, between the two (laughs) (laughs) but he's the one who also like uh, he he feels superior right to beavis in a lot of ways yeah Yeah. that's fair and he feels like you know he's kind of stuck with beavis but he's also the one who does the most misunderstanding uh between the two and like he's the one who's like beavis we're gonna score that's what just happened they just told us we're gonna score and all this stuff um so i wonder too it's just like the overall do you think that Mike Judge has, or the, the people who write for Beavis and Butthead, do you think they actually have any sympathy for, say, you know, younger, uh, more emotionally immature men? Or do you think that they don't have any sympathy for them in the way that they portray these two characters? Uh, I think that... No, I don't know. I mean, they're like... I Didn't they, didn't they quote that like, they're like budding misogynists, basically? Yeah. Right? Like, they're just, like, I don't know. Their interactions with sex is, like, this idea, like, it's just, like, is as much as they want it, they have absolutely no understanding of it whatsoever. Mm. Right? It's mm-hmm. this great mystery to them, which, on some level, despite the fact of, like, how much you might want it, their lack of knowledge of it makes them kind of still innocent and precious. Yes. Like, you know what I mean? Okay. Like, mm-hmm. like. I don't know. They were portraying high school students. And by the time they were high schools, I was well aware what penetrative sex was and stuff. And I knew what actual innuendos were. So the fact that they, I don't know. I mean, the truth is like, I mean, they were kind of on, they were on some sort of spectrum, weren't they? I, yeah, I would say so. Now we can at least identify that for sure. Um, But, you know, I think to answer my own question, I think it's a little bit of both. I think that they have sympathy for them and I think they have like no sympathy and they actually hate them. And it's, it's weird. It's almost like how, because he's obviously a white man, Mike Judge, it's kind of like maybe how he feels about himself as a man, you mm. know, where he sees the he's like he likes he enjoys being a man. I'm sure he's proud of himself as a person, but also knows the problems with being a man and knows like, you know, the inherent uh, privileges and whatnot of that. So it's like because I think you can't write Beavis in Butthead and not have some sort of like sympathy if, if you're doing at least a comedy. Yeah. You know, and yeah. like see the the lightness in in them but also it's a really great place to explore the complexities of what it is to be a man i wonder if i'm proud of being a man i don't know i don't even think i'm proud enough of being a human though so that's true most of the time i just hate being alive yeah yeah that's that's the millennial spirit there we go yeah oh life sucks so after many many years of beavis and butthead just not being around uh, no, you know, in the aughts, we didn't have them. In the 2010s, here we are in 2022. We got a brand new Beavis and Butthead. No, wait, we did have them. I'm sorry. There was already a first revival of them. There was. It was like, I think it lasted only one season though, right? Yeah, it did not last very long. It, I think it wasn't enough time. I think it was. I think gone. if I were, I was in college when this, the revival came out and uh, there was a lot of excitement in my circle, which I was so sad about. It's just like, oh, really? We're wow. excited about this and stuff. Was and, there? Uh, huh. Yeah, I think I saw like a couple of episodes and stuff. I don't remember them. I didn't rewatch them for the show, but 
again, Beavis and Butthead wasn't necessarily my thing. I, I don't know. Maybe I just don't gravitate towards, like, comedy that gets better when you're high or under the influence. Maybe. Like, or- I've never been, like, like, so Fritz the Cat. I don't know if you've heard of this animated film. I know this film. Okay, like, that one, my friend's insisted on taking shrooms and watching this film and stuff and i was just like god i hate this movie when i'm on shrooms they wanted to rewatch it again afterwards i'm just like i don't even like the movie under the influence i want to like this movie sober no fucking way another one is heavy metal that comes up right like these are i think if you ask most people like these are movies that are fun under the influence of something and like i don't know if i enjoy media under the influence like if i'm under the influence i want to do things i don't want to like be watching tv or movies yeah i mean I mean, granted, sometimes when you are, it does enhance the experience. But I actually am with you. I'd rather do other things. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I for would sure. probably watch something like 2001: A Space Odyssey or something. Okay, I, I could tell you hard pass on my. <laughs> <laughs> and kids, don't do drugs. All right, I, this yeah, is not don't. me condoning drugs. Don't don't <laughs> do as we say, not as we do. Yes. <laughs> yes. Do not practice what we preach. Um, but yeah, so we have Beavis and Butthead do the universe. A film not directed by Mike Judge, but co-written by him. So there's that. Oh, interesting. Yes, with Lou Morton. And uh, I can tell you right now that Lou Morton has written for Saturday Night Live and for Family Guy and for Futurama. Wait, it wasn't directed by him? So Mike Judge only co-wrote it with Lou Morton. Oh, interesting. It shows up on Rotten Tomatoes as director, Mike Judge. Producer, Mike Judge. Writer, Mike Judge. Are you looking for at Do America or Do the Universe? No, Do the Universe. That's on oh. the Rotten Tomatoes page. No, it's directed by John Rice and Albert Caleros. Interesting. Okay. Or Caleros. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, and it's a Paramount Plus exclusive that came out on June 23rd. So we're a little we're a little uh, <clears throat> late here, but you know, it came out whatever. June. Mm-hmm. Oh, all right. I mean, it came out what right before Stranger Things. Uh, yeah, before that, just like completely disrupted so, <laughs> popular culture. Shame on you guys. You know, yeah, that's bad timing. Bad timing indeed. Yeah, they thought that season three wasn't that great, so people wouldn't care about season four, and then season four ended up being better. Oh, season four was great. Yeah, that's what I hear. I don't watch Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the premise of Do the Universe is in 1998, Beavis and Butthead have an accident during their high school science fair. And uh, a bunch of misunderstandings happen, essentially. As usual. <laughs> Once again, where they pretty much get engrossed into a space center and mm-hmm. assumed to be boy geniuses who actually can help the next mission of NASA. Yeah, uh, mind you. The reason is because they can get a phallic-like rocket into a hole. Yes. Yeah. So, And they're just obsessed with They've been doing it for 12 hours. Which is absolutely... I, I was just like, Jesus, come on. Like, this is the plot. Like, this is our main driving force. <laughs> like, what... Ki- like, there's... Again, it's just like... I guess in 96, was the porn... Was just there no porn? I guess it wasn't as easily accessible as it is now. It was but... on, like, pay-per-view, you know? So, yeah, yeah it was not accessible, yeah. Um, but, of course, their cap- the captain at this flight in Nassau sees what they're doing with the the sticking in the hole over and over and over again. She goes, how would you like to do that in space? And of course they think, <laughs> yeah, <"Have> sex. <laughs> right. Totally. <laughs> so you're course, laughing. So the, clearly the movie was successful at some level. It's, um, it's so stupid is what these always are. Uh, so of course they go into space, but they fuck up because they're just consumed with the thought that they're going to have sex. No, that's and- not why they fuck up. They fuck up because they blind themselves by looking at the mic at the, uh, telescope while it's pointed to the sun 
There you go. That is the main reason. So they're blind. Now the blind is leading the ship to dock. And it proceeds to kill everyone. Uh, and so the captain of the ship announces, he's like, okay, we only have enough oxygen for five people. So two, you know, two of us are going to have to sacrifice ourselves. She was ready to sacrifice herself, but she realized, no, these two are such morons. It's them. And yeah. she offs them. They fall into a black hole that leads them to the present. And uh, once they're in the present, they're being chased by both the former captain, who is now a senator, and the FBI, who think they're aliens. Yep, pretty much. That is yeah. the main plot hole. That is plot it. Point, that yeah. is it. And of course, Beavis and Butthead are thrust into 2022. And how do they interact with all of this new technology? Right. Uh, how do they? In- yeah, like they get an iPhone and they activate Siri and they think that Siri is Serena. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Beavis develops uh, romantic feelings because of the way he converses with this Siri. Which we have seen before on TV. Yeah, I've seen this guy before. So that one didn't necessarily work for me. Yeah, that plot point was like kind of silly. It's just like, oh, wow. This, yeah. The movie Her. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> like, I forget. We've seen it on film also. Um, but what did work for me was when they go to a university uh, mm-hmm. and they wander into a gender studies class and they get educated on white privilege yeah and then they're pretty much like how do you feel about it and then they're like this is fucking awesome <laughs> and then they're like we have white privilege we could do whatever, whatever we, want. we want and they, they go steal and they the car steal a police car and they do all this shit and of course they land up in j- and land in jail but it's such a funny reaction to like wow you have to acknowledge that as a white man you have white privilege and then being like i have privilege fuck yeah like it's you know <laughs> at the end of the day it's like Actually, I understand that reaction. <laughs> right. It's actually funny. I um, thought, yeah, no, it worked. And I thought it was just an interesting, you know, commentary too. Of course, they don't get away with it very long, but uh, I mean, I they, that might be their moist, their, their moist, their most uh, in-your-face uh, commentary. Yeah, that, because <laughs> right before then, future or parallel universe, uh, Beavis and Butt had come in and tell them it's just like. It's like, oh, no one cares about the humanities course. So we're putting the... They have to cross through a top temporal rift or something to, like, set the world right. Yeah. The world is in... Da- the universe is in danger. Yeah. So... Some arbitrary uh, science fiction plot thrown into all of it. Right. And so there was a fun... I think my fun, the funniest joke was when they're like, didn't you see the Spider-Man animated movie? And they're like, uh, no. And I'm like, yeah. oh, that, this would have been so much easier to explain yeah. if you had seen this. <laughs> Which goes to my theory. It's just like, I don't know why. Media is really obsessed with this whole idea of parallel universes and stuff. Oh, I'm, hell I'm, yeah. I'm very, very much convinced. It's just because we are just convinced that this there has to be a timeline where things aren't as shitty as they are now. No, absolutely. I Yeah, our obsession with multiverses is just us desperately looking for an alternate universe to this one. Why? So we could go there and fuck it up? Well, I mean... uh. Maybe certain people won't be invited. <laughs> okay. Let me tell you, the people who get into that universe are going to do their damnedest to fuck it up. Yeah, we're going to fuck it up no matter what we do. This is so nihilistic. Let's let's be positive here. Uh, so, essentially, you know, they're trying to escape both the government and Serena because Serena thinks that they're back to accuse her of murder because she doesn't know that they don't know that she didn't do it intentionally of releasing them into space. Right. Which also, I don't know if that can... I don't know. There's no jurisdiction in space. 
Yeah. It's also she's, she's a governor and she has all this power and she does not want it threatened in any way, shape, or form. Right. She uh, was a governor? I, I thought she was a, a senator. But yeah, yeah, you're right. Because the assistant lieutenant governor kept saying, he was like, I'm the lieutenant governor. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. And he right. was actually funny. <laughs> he was. No one was listening to him. Uh, and he was getting a little power hungry. Um, yeah. And there's a big fight that happens with, between Beavis and Butthead where, you know, their friendship almost comes into a... Uh, it gets threatened because Beavis is tired of being second banana to Butthead. And like, you know, he knows that Butthead has this weird superiority complex to him mm-hmm. and wants to be with someone who understands him like Siri. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so he actually, you know, snaps back at Butthead and they do this mm-hmm. whole thing. And, you know, it's like nobody, it's just, you're like watching and you're like, this is such like a classic beat, you know, like it almost had to happen where they had to have, this rip so that they could come back together even stronger than ever again. Um, all the things yeah, that worked are the it stupid was, things. Honestly. It was definitely like, yeah, well, it was like the all is lost moment that we get in a movie. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, and then at the end, of course, smart Beavis and smart butthead come back and, you know, they pretty much tell us, Oh, you have to go through the hole and all this stuff. And but then the lieutenant governor goes through. It's just like, oh, I guess anyone could have gone. I guess through. anyone, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, and they're wow. like, oh, the, the, the nothing relies on you. And then Beavis professes his love to Serena. With but then Smart Beavis comes in and steals his thunder because that's who I was talking about. Smart yeah. Beavis. Our Beavis in. cannot articulate himself well at right. all. I actually and, did. Mm-hmm. I thought one of the funnier jokes was just like, oh, well, we're still even though we're Smart Beavis and Smart Butthead, we're still not that smart. <laughs> Comparatively yeah. to- <laughs> and they're still virgins, right? Every right, multiverse every- version of Beavis and Butthead are virgins. So the film film ends with all the different multiverse versions of Beavis and Butthead coming together. And Smart Beavis is pretty much letting everyone know that he has become the first Beavis in the world to ever have <laughs> sex. And universe. that literally in the universe and in all of the multiverses and that she immediately left right after. <laughs> <laughs> but at least they did it that one time and everyone rejoices and it's the stupidest and most fitting ending yeah i guess in retrospect i was rolling my eyes a lot while watching this film mm-hmm. and i kind of just like kind of just trying to get over it but upon speaking about it it's just like okay it wasn't that it wasn't i came in like wanting to hate the film i guess and i came out like saying it's like it was fine it was mm. it was all right like, I'm laughing as we're recounting it. I'm just like, oh, yeah, like, those work. The premise is actually, like, maybe when you're watching it, you're like, this is so stupid. But when you think back about it, like like we're doing now, you chuckle. Yeah, because um, it's, it's, like, silly nonsense. And they weren't trying to be anything more, right? They weren't trying yes. to they weren't trying to be, I don't know, that deep, <laughs> you know? Yes. <laughs> well, I, Mike Judge says that this is his favorite thing that he's ever done. Oh. And it's that it's the thing that he's most proud of. This you know, movie? Uh, Beavis and Butthead. Oh. <laughs> yeah. to say, it's like, well, fuck you. Uh, but King of the Hill. <laughs> you know, like. I, I know. I'm like, really? That's what you're most proud of? But I could see it's very dear to his couch. Um, but yeah, you know, like he actually was like, I'd love to see them again. He actually wanted to see them in their 60s and, you know, see them as two dirty old men still sitting on their couch being, you know, gross. Mm-hmm. Um because it doesn't matter. 1560s, these guys will never change. You know, and it's like that weird commentary on like <laughs> kind of being emotionally stunted. Mm-hmm. And I think as Americans, we actually find a lot of comedy in that. I, one of my favorite comedies ever is Arrested Development, which is very much about being emotionally stunted. Mm-hmm. There's so much humor to be found in that. And why do we find that like 
so funny you know people just not acting right and not acting like at least what we perceive should be their age or appropriate for their position and 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 place in life like why is that so funny i think it makes us feel better about ourselves yeah is it like a weird like ego thing perhaps absolutely i think it's i think it's see i think that's why comedy at the expense of others makes us feel better about ourselves a little bit of shot in friday yeah like and i mean think about like think about reality tv show right you have like shows like the real housewives where they're like these fabulous women with all of this money, but like their lives are still shit and messy. And it's just like, it's very entertaining to watch and realize like, <laughs> at least they may have all the money in the world and, but I still have class. They don't, you know what I mean? Mm. There's that kind of like this idea behind when we watch that kind of shit. I did, to be honest, part of the reason why Trump succeeded, right? Like it's a spectacle <gasps> of feeling like, Oh my God, I'm smarter than our American president, you know? Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Like, I think we enjoyed watching train wrecks and, like, that idea of, like, that stunted man child is part that kind of fulfills that. Yeah. I mean, if you think back to early comedy, you know, these guys who were physical comedians with their bodies and all they did was just mainly fall and do all of these, like, prats and stuff. Like, yeah, seeing people. I guess hurt themselves almost or like pain or, or discomfort or something on other people. It is humorous. Mm. Um, I think things not going, I think things that are slightly different than what we perceive them to be are also funny, you know? Uh, like, wait, a, what do you mean? Okay. So uh, like you see a tall bulky man and then he opens his, up his mouth and then all of a sudden he has like a really like soft high, high voice, voice or something oh, going yeah. against like expectations are always funny. You know? I actually do that when I play Dungeons and Dragons for some of my NPCs. Like, I'll have very menacing uh, creatures and stuff, and I'll make them talk like this. <laughs> it kind of, like, it's like hey, a girl, funny, hey. yeah, it's like a juxtaposition that yes. it it works to alleviate some of that tension. Mm. And maybe it is, that's the perfect word too. It's like Beavis and Butthead are like such a juxtaposition to popular culture, you know, like before the nineties, there was no way that these guys would have been as deeply embedded in a pop culture as they were. And it was like a, the perfect time when like after the explosion of the 20th century, you know, and with postmodernism really settling in and everyone becoming more cynical and like ironic, they became kind of like the p- perfect poster child for that. And especially from an American viewpoint, you know, with like the, average joe or average american kind of viewpoint to it too which is something that we've never before given a platform to but now we give that platform to arguably too much with reality tv and whatnot oh yeah no i think that platform is a crowded field yes and especially now with the rise of like social media influencers and youtube stars right Mm. not to discredit their work but you know i think it it, I don't want to sound like those celebrities that complain. It's just like, oh my god, this YouTube star is making all this money and really watering down the craft. But it's just like, yeah, but they're not. Most of these YouTubers and like influencers, at least, are not results of nepotism, unlike yes. a lot of our celebrity yes. culture. Oh my god, it's so annoying. It's so annoying. Yeah, and you know, in the '90s, you could see why Beavis and Butthead rose to the popularity they did because there weren't that many people who were like who are giving way to an average American viewpoint, you know, or like a just like middle-class American viewpoint, you know, a young viewpoint that like wasn't rich or whatever. Now 
like you said, it's an overcrowded market. So in that respect, is Beavis and Butthead is like their opinion even one that we want to hear anymore? Because we just hear so many other different opinions that like, are we willing to hear their chiming back mm. in? Right. Yeah. You know? Like it's I, interesting because we watch it and it's still funny. <clears throat> it made us laugh. We got everything. But like, was this the commentary we've been kind of waiting for? Like, oh, I got to hear Beavis and Butthead's take on the way things are in 2022. Yeah, I don't know if I need to hear their take on it, but for mindless dribble, I don't know. I think it's fine. <laughs> I I do think you should give the show a little bit more credit. It's not just mindless dribble. I you know what it is. I don't. Yeah, no, you're right. It is not. It's it's like I think when it's funny, it's funny, but I don't know. It's not my kind of humor, right? I get and I think it. I think you know it's subjective. C- comedy is very subjective. Yeah. Um. What uh, I find funny doesn't necessarily jive with everybody else, right? Uh, so with that said, I it's not my cup of tea, but the Beavis and Butthead do the universe. I was just like, okay, I didn't, I didn't hate it. So I'm just like, I don't know, but I don't, I don't know if I need, I don't know if I need their commentary, right? I don't know if I need this commentary, especially now finding out that it wasn't even Mike Judge's commentary, right? Who I think is the... Well, he was co-writer. He didn't direct Okay, it. he was co-writer. All right, fine. Yes. So even then, but even then, I'm just like, I'd rather see Mike Judge's commentary uh, through the lens of something else. Like, that's why I liked Silicon Valley. Yeah. That's yeah. why mm-hmm. I, you know, King of the Hill, I, I enjoyed... Yeah, but those are old. I'm trying... What? Does, I mean, what's the newest thing that he's had? I guess Silicon Valley is probably like the most recent one that you... One of the more recent ones. Um, I think he also did a movie called Extract, but I have never seen that. Oh, I have seen that one. I didn't like it that much. Hmm. That's like they work at an ex- like a flavor extraction plant or something, and it starts Mila Kunis, and I think Jason the, Bateman. Just yeah, the guy from The Office. Yes, not The Office. Arrested uh, Development. Arrested Development. Yeah. <laughs> Michael Bluth. I don't know if he's done anything else recently. Um. He doesn't so. have to. I'm sure he's living off of that uh, sweet syndication yeah, money no, he, from he doesn't, yeah. from Frank King of the Hill or I don't know or, how much syndication money he gets. Or Beavis and I don't know I how mean, much syndication they get. Like I know they're on Pluto TV, but like I don't King see King of the Hill still like on TBS and whatnot. So yeah, okay. So King of the Hill is still like regularly. Yeah, I kind of figured that one would be because I mean, 15 years, however yeah. many, 12 seasons. You know, like yeah. that's that's a lot. Yeah, that's a fucking shitload of money. And look, I think he's got. I think he's great. I actually really enjoy his work, and I think he actually has interesting things to say behind everything that he makes. Um, so, for me, when I saw this film, I guess I was expecting more of a little bit of a biting, you know, commentary or more of a scathing criticism. And I kind of just, you know, was I just had fun, and. Yeah. I guess I just was expecting something else, especially like with the Cornholio thing in this movie is that he incites a prison riot and whatnot. And that, that just didn't of, land for me. It was kind of the most forced because he also took drugs like pills. Yes. And it's just like your triggers caffeine. The pills are probably going to be like, I don't know. It should have been a, that would have been the, uh, the opportunity to create something crazier than Cornholio. Yeah. I was expecting him to do like a like incite a proud boy riot or something, or maybe he was yeah, responsible for like, like yeah. the January <laughs> that would be, riots, that would like be. just something that would have maybe hit a little bit home more. But like they could have. I mean, I'm not a writer, you know, so I'm not but even no, gonna so like. They want a TP. Yeah, yeah, and there. Yeah. I think it was just a little too for Beavis and Butthead, a little too PC. But I don't know. I, I'm looking at the reviews, right? And okay. like. 
the uh, the reviews are pretty strong for this film. And I think ultimately what people like is just like, okay, like it wasn't trying too hard to be something it's not. Like that's genuinely that's a genuine consensus with uh with this film. So I don't know. I don't know what that means. I don't it means know what it was means. perfectly fine. I wanted it to be more than perfectly fine, is all I'm saying. Um but you can't whatever. <laughs> yeah, fine. I mean I think yeah, I mean sometimes being perfectly fine is okay. Look, who who do you think this movie was made for? Mm. I th- definitely think this was made for millennials. Uh, I think that if Gen Zs were to turn it on, hopefully they could enjoy it. Mm-hmm. But I do think that this is meant for people who know Beavis and Butthead or are familiar with Beavis and Butthead and then like needed their kind of like spin on recent things. Yeah, I think it was made for millennials for sure. And I think the other thing we had to just take into account is just like this was a paramount plus exclusive so like it's not i don't know they're not driving i don't know how many people are subscribing to paramount plus for you know for for this but i think if they already have a base of people who already subscribe to paramount plus usually probably like let's say if you're already in that pocket that's streaming shows like daria and and uh Beavis and Butthead, right? All those like '90s and nostalgia show. Like this is this is who this is for, right? That very niche audience, right? I think that's mm-hmm. a problem, not necessarily the problem, but like uh, that's one of the causes of all the streaming divisions, the streaming wars that we're in. It's just like our cons- consumption of pop culture has become so segmented and really hyper focused that uh, you know when I asked that question, I was asking because it's like I don't think. I think their audience is just literally fans of Beavis and Butthead who are already subscribed to, to uh, Paramount, Paramount Plus. Plus. Yeah. Well, yeah. Now there's like there's demographics. There's the mainstream demographic, and then there's the niche demographic. And these mm-hmm. streaming platforms have established themselves, you know, so heavily that they can actually just release things that are more niche, and you know, be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, which though it sucks for the rest of us because if <laughs> you either got to pay out of pocket or you know desperately beg someone for their password to share them, right? Um, it's it's tough times. I also want to add that Gen X is probably who this was made for, not just millennials, because Gen X also grew up on it. Yeah, probably Gen X. I would yeah. assume. Yeah, but do you but, think and, this was? Mm-hmm. Oh, I was gonna say, how many Gen Xers do you think have Paramount Plus? I think probably a lot, to be honest. I know Paramount Plus is not. As much of a thing as like I mean, the other platforms are. Um, I mean, if we're talking like the big Netflix and uh, and I'm sure nothing compared, but like I think compared to the other ones, like uh, Peacock, I think is more successful than Pe- uh It's more successful than Peacock okay. because they have like they have their IPs that have a base audience, and those IPs are uh, Star Trek. Uh, what's their other big one? I want to say Drag Race. <laughs> Is yeah, probably one that, they, race, yeah. But there's a there's like there's like the big three. There's a ne- third like outfit. NCIS or something like that. Yeah, maybe? but it's not really. It's like IP, Nickelodeon. I'm, yeah, like okay, like the Nickelodeon exclusive stuff, right? That would be Paramount Plus. Uh, uh, yeah. There's there's like uh, what's it called? But like, you know, that's the thing. They're very what's it called? It's just like finding your right audience, your base audience and stuff. Yeah, and, no, uh, for sure. But it's definitely not Disney or HBO no, right? Max exactly. Well, level. Disney's king of king of ip and hbo max has the warner brothers umbrella right so yeah. like those are obviously your big powerhouses and like these smaller streaming services are just competing trying to pick up the scraps pretty much yeah mm-hmm. and hulu too wow uh do you think this is needed did we already say that 
You you were going to ask it and I interrupted you. Okay. Well, I mean, it, but in like with our commentary, we might have already answered this question, but I will officially ask it. Do we think this was needed? No, but I think it's setting us up for another Beavis and Butthead butt revival. Uh-huh, that is. I can answer is not going to be needed. I think yeah. this movie's fine. I don't know if I need to see a series. Uh, honestly, ditto at this point. I I was completely fine. It was enjoyable. And I don't think there was like a hole that only Beavis and Butthead could fill. I think there's something maybe new that could we, we can identify as something that's, oh, that's so 2020s instead of bringing other things back to make commentaries. Mm-hmm. Um, so <clears throat> maybe we already have that and we don't know it yet. And we'll find out in 20 years when that gets revived. But yeah. <laughs> But in the meantime, uh, it was perfectly fine. And I, I'm actually kind of glad I watched it because, you know, it was, it was okay. It was yeah, it was fine. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't pay extra for it, so I'm not going so to... So indifferent. Yes, that's a plus. That is a plus. You know. Um, but a nice and short one. Uh, we have come to the end of yet another episode of Remakes, Reboots, and Revivals. And at the end, we always ask you to share your thoughts on one of these episodes. And if you've made it this far and you're listening to this... Please do one of the following. Follow us and write a comment or send us a message on Instagram at Remakes mm-hmm. Reboots Revivals. Uh, maybe respond to one of our threads on Twitter at Remakes Podcast. You can also hit us up on Facebook.com slash Remakes Reboots Revivals. We are on YouTube and you can subscribe to our page, Remakes Reboots Revivals. If you are an Apple Podcast listener, you can follow the podcast, give it a rating, and leave us a little review to share your thoughts. You could also give us a rating on Spotify and any other platform you listen to. And last but not least, we have a Google voicemail that you could call in and leave a voicemail that we can play on the air. And that that number... And the number is 862-248-2326. That's 862-248-2326. So uh, hopefully somebody listened and we'll do one of those things. (laughs) (laughs) We will find out. Uh, Okay. All right. Well, pretty soon we're going to be taking a summer break in August because not much is happening in August. Um, So we will be back uh, next week. Well, I will be back next week. Rolando and Eddie will be back next week covering Obi-Wan. For the Star Wars fans. Spoiler. Sorry. But no, I'm letting everyone know there will be spoilers. But the show has been out long enough, so. Yeah, and I mean, it's Star Wars. Everybody knows. Everybody knows. I mean, that's the problem with prequels. Well, you know what? Any I will get into it next week. But until next time, stay stay original. original.